The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. So, as Brian distributes the study sheet, open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Titus, book of Titus, chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. Good to see you all this morning. All right, Titus chapter 1, and I'm going to read the first five verses. You can read along silently with me. Titus, beginning at chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, mine own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time we have. We pray, Lord, that you would teach us from your word, and that you would help us to, to gather a, a meaningful understanding of this institution we call the church. Thank you for all that are here today, and bless this time. May it be profitable to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Organization, that's what we're talking about. Last week I began a study on the organization of the church. We said that the definition of organization is to distribute into suitable parts and appoint proper officers that the whole may act as one body. Last week, I, I made, or last time we met, I, I made two points. Number one, I said the church must be organized in its authorities. And we talked about the chain of command. And, and I, I shared with you the chain of command, for instance, in the military. And there's a chain of command in the church as well. And the authorities in the church must be properly organized. So often today you, you see churches that have several pastors. I'm sorry, there's only one pastor of a church, Amen. At least there should be. You might have men that assist the pastor and help, but I, I've, I've seen churches and I've gone to churches where they're, the pastor, they're, there's this pastor over this part and this pastor over this part and this pastor over this part, and this pastor doesn't mess with this pastor and this pastor doesn't influence this pastor. That's, that's total chaos. That's not organization, that, that's chaos. So the church has to be organized in its authorities. Secondly, I said that the church must be organized in its priorities. Uh, again, you'll, you'll go to churches and you'll, you'll find churches where social activities take priority over, over preaching. Uh, you'll go to churches and they, they won't have preaching that service, but they'll have, they'll have a cantata or they'll have, they'll have a, a sing-along or something like that. I don't, think, I don't think the church should ever replace preaching with anything, Amen. I think preaching is the primary thing in the church. That's why we're here. If we're not here for preaching, then why are we here? Uh, I mean, 
you go home and watch the Warriors or something. But, you know, we're here to, we're here to be taught and to be preached at. So we saw those things. Now, the church is probably, it's probably the most misunderstood institution in the world. Um, I, I, you know, I work, of course, I work in the world, and, and I talk to several people, and I tell you, people have misconceptions of what church is all about. Um, unfortunately, most people today think that church exists for them. Most people today think that church is here to entertain them, to satisfy them. That's why if they're in church and things don't go exactly the way they want, they pack up and leave and go look for another church. That's because they don't understand what the church really is. And, and what we're going to talk about today, number three in our study sheet, the church must be organized in its purpose. Listen, there's a reason for the church. And unfortunately, most people don't know what that reason is. And, and most people misunderstand the church. Now, and we talked about the definition of church and organization, and I, I wrote that definition on your study sheets. Look at the second half of that definition. That's where I want to focus today. The second half states that the whole may act as one body. That's the purpose in organization. It's so that an entire entity, an entire organization can function as one. Uh, think about business for a moment. Uh, if, if business is not organized, you'll have chaos and, and the business will fail. Uh, this portion of the definition of organization states that the purpose of an organization is to cause the whole to function as one. It would imply a lack of chaos and strife. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33, the Bible states, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So if a church is, if a church is disorganized and chaotic, you can, you, can, you can assume, safely assume, that that church is not organized correctly. Their authorities aren't right, and their priorities aren't right. Because God does not, he does not author confusion. God is orderly, he's organized, and he has instructed us to, to, to establish our churches in an orderly fashion. Uh, it would imply an absence of divisiveness. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul writes, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now, uh, when we talk about the church here this morning, I don't know how many people are here. I don't know. Uh, 250? I'll, I'll count the way most Baptists do. <laughs> There's 250 people here this morning. Um, we each have our own mind, don't we? We have our own opinions. We have our own preferences. We have our own likes and dislikes. So what, what Paul's talking about here is not that all of us be in total lockstep and agreement in everything in life. That's not going to happen. Brother Gary loves the 49ers. I don't. But we can still, we can still abide in accord. What Paul is talking about here is not, on, not everything in life, but concerning 
the church, concerning the matters of the church, we are to be in agreement. We are to be in one accord, having one mind. So you and I and the pastor and the deacons and everyone should have the same mindset concerning the church and its organization and its purposes. So there'll be no divisiveness. There'll be no conflicts within the body of the church if we learn to organize our church appropriately. Organization stresses the need for the entire entity to work in harmony, each part helping the other part, giving and taking. Listen, this is, this is, a, this is the only way a marriage, for instance, succeeds. There has, to be, there has to be mutual respect. There has to be giving and taking, cooperating with one another to accomplish a common goal. That's, that's what organization is all about. And, and so it should be with the church. We as a church should dwell in unity. Now again, not always agreeing on everything. Not necessarily even, even uh, being happy with each other all the time. But in unity. Having one unified purpose as members of Berean Baptist Church. In Psalm 133 and verse 1, we read, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How many of you have ever raised children? How many of you know and understand that children are not going to get along? Yeah. Yeah, I could tell you stories about my youngest sister and I. Now, my, my brother, he was out of the house by the time I was nine years old, because he's nine years older than me. My older sister and I got along great, but my younger sister and I, like a cat and a dog. You know, but still, even though we didn't necessarily like each other very much, we needed, we needed to dwell in unity at home, because there was, there was a person there who demanded that, and his name was Daddy. And Daddy didn't care if we liked each other or not, but we were going to get along in that house. And so we dwelt in unity, and the Lord is pleasant to the Lord when we dwell together in unity. So we should be like-minded concerning the things of the church, all possessing the spiritual mind of Christ. In Romans chapter 15, we read, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may uh, with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, we may not agree on everything. We have our own preferences. We have our own likes and dislikes. But with our, with our mouth, we all glorify God in unity and in harmony. Glorify God. That's important. The harmony of the believers will make it possible for the church to work as one, thus allowing us to accomplish the purpose of the church. Listen, we're here for a purpose today. If we're not here for a purpose, then let's go do something else. But there is a purpose and there is a reason for us being here, and that's what I want to discuss today. So with, with the time 
that we have this morning, I want to examine a few of the purposes of the church. And believe me, this is not exhaustive. And, and there are other purposes uh, for the church. But th- these three that I'm going to give you this morning, I think would be the main headings of the purposes of the church. So purpose number one today, to exalt the name and person of Christ. To exalt the name and person of Christ. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Did you you see what it said there? It said, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Praising the name of Christ, exalting the name of the Lord. You know, the world does this all the time. Uh, you go to fans at a sporting event, for instance. They, they love to brag about their team, don't they? Oh, man, at work, at work uh, this, this whole week, everybody walking around wearing Warriors shirts. and Oh, man, you know, the Warriors are this. And, I mean, enthusiastic about it now, by the way. Eagerly praising the Warriors, praising Steph Curry and praising Kevin Durant, who they used to curse a few years ago. And, and excited, and, and, and I mean, talk, you talk, you go over there and say, hey, how about those warriors? Oh, man, and they, they come to life. Their eyes light up, and their voice raises, and they get all kind of hand motions, and they get all excited because they love the, they love the warriors. <laughs> how about grandparents talking about their grandkids? Ooh, boy, you can get me going real fast. How's your grandkids? I'll whip out my phone, show you pictures, and I'll talk about them, and I love my grandkids. And, and I, I, it's exciting. In Psalm, we just read David praising and bragging on God. And that's what we need. We, as God's people, need to just learn to praise his name. You know, do, you, do you realize how many opportunities in a day you have to praise the Lord? Do you, think, do you realize that? Every time somebody comes up to you and says, hey, how are you doing? Oh, man, there comes an opportunity to praise God and to talk about the Lord. <coughs> People say, how the world treating you? I'll tell them, the world's treating me terrible, but God treats me great. And I start bragging on God. Listen, we need to just learn to praise The Lord, the praise of God should always be on our lips. Do you realize that praise brings joy and happiness? As I I read just a moment ago, David said, the humble hear and they're glad. Praising God brings joy and happiness. While griping and complaining produces discouragement. You don't have to go far to hear complaining, do you? I notice that on the job all the time. People are always griping and complaining. I tell them the same thing. I'm glad I have a job. I'm so thankful for my job. Well, you know, I wish I made more money. Well, so do I. But you know what? I agreed to work for that wage, so I'm going to be faithful and work hard for that wage. 
You see, we, we, we become, America has become a generation of complainers. People who think they're entitled to everything without having to put forth anything. That's what we become in America. And, and if we're not careful, we're going to raise a whole new generation that same way. It's happening right now. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Turn with me to Psalm 73. Let's turn there. I can see right now. I don't know if I'm going to get through this whole lesson today. Psalm 73. And we're going to read together, beginning at verse 1. We read here, truly God is good too, and we could, we could put America in where it says Israel, but we'll stay with God's word. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as of, are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bonds in their, bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covered them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return uh, hither, and waters of, full, of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How did God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly, who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued, and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then understood I their end. I walked in, when, I walked in to work one morning, and my manager came up to me, and he knows that I'm a Christian, he knows how I believe, and he asked me to step in his office, and he told me, he said, Dalton, can you explain to me why bad people have good things happen to them? And I, I, I told him, I said, you know what? The Bible teaches us not to be envious of the wicked in their prosperity. For their end is hell. And, he, and he's, he's a believer, and he looked at me and he said, wow, I needed to hear that. You know, we just need to learn to praise God. And we need to learn to be content. There's a song we, we actually sing here. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of kings is he, the Lord of lords supreme throughout eternity. The great I am the way, the truth, the light, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Listen, talk about Jesus more than anything else. The more we talk about Jesus, the less we worry about our problems. The more we focus on God's word, the less attention we pay to the world. The more we trust in God's providence, the less we fear our circumstances. And the purpose of the church is to help us understand God and his word. And in understanding, we will find the courage 
to rejoice even in the face of trouble. And we will stand and praise God at all times. And we will find joy in our praising God. And we will rejoice in his holy name. Listen, we just need to learn to praise the Lord. Be thankful. Be thankful for everything. Give, give glory to God in all things. Measure every word that comes out of your mouth. You know, you don't have to hurry up and speak. You know that? Stop and think about what you're going to say and make sure that what you say glorifies the Father. If, if it's not going to edify someone else, build them up, or if it's not going to glorify the Father, then don't say it. That's one of the things about this social media generation. They say whatever's on their mind. Text it away. Pew. Wow, why'd they say that? Because they're, pardon me, but they're an idiot. That's why they said that. They didn't stop and think. We don't need to say everything that comes across our mind. We need to learn to stop and think, and we need to make sure that what we say and what we do praises and glorifies the name and the person of Jesus Christ. So that's purpose number one. Purpose number two is to evangelize the lost. That's the second purpose, I think, of the church, is to evangelize the lost. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, we read, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, the term them in verse 15 is, is the believing disciples of Christ. It is the collection, the, the gathering of the, of the people of Christ, which we call a what? An assembly, which is what? The church. So Jesus said to them, he said to whom? The church. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Some teach today that the command to preach the gospel as given by Jesus in, in Mark 16 is to the individual believer. But I cannot completely agree with that statement. While it is the responsibility of every individual believer to be a witness for Christ, the charge to preach the gospel was given to who? The church. It was given to them. Jesus didn't pull Peter inside and say, Peter, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Everybody else, have potlucks and socials. He, he didn't say that. He, 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 he addressed them. He addressed the assembly. He addressed the church. So the command, the charge to preach the gospel is given to the church. If, you, if we notice in verse 16, the commission given was twofold. It was to what? To preach and to baptize, right? Mark chapter 16, uh, in verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. 
So it's twofold. It's to preach and to baptize. Now, if the command to preach, uh, I'm sorry, if the command to preach and the command to baptize were set under different auspices, wouldn't it make sense to, to believe that Jesus would have made reference to this? In this announcement of the gospel, wouldn't he have, wouldn't he have kept them separate if they were to be separate? But they're not separate. The command to the church is to preach the gospel and to baptize. That's the command. It's not given to individuals, it's given to the church. He did not separate these applications of the Great Commission. Therefore, we must believe that the authority given is to administer both aspects of the commission. We have to believe that he was addressing the group that could do both, that could both preach and baptize. Now, you as an individual, can you baptize? Can I baptize? Who can baptize? The church, and only the church, has the authority to baptize. And since the, the gospel commission was given as one, as, as one collective um, auspice, therefore it must be the, the com command and authority of the church. Only the church has the authority to, to administer the ordinances. The ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. So why would Christ command individuals to do that which he does not give them the authority to do? He wouldn't. The only logical interpretation is that the command to preach the gospel was given to the church. And the individual believers within the church go forth and witness under the direction of and the authority of the local church. Now, listen. People who just pick up and go out and stand on a street corner and preach the gospel, praise the Lord, the gospel is preached. But they're not, they're not operating under the authority of a local church, are they? What are they going to do if, someone, if, they, if they find a believer? They can't, they can't baptize them. They can't, they can't administer the Lord's Supper to them. And if they're not within the local church, where are they going to send them? So, th th someone came to Paul and said, Paul, there's a man in the other city preaching, preaching in Christ. What did Paul say? Leave him alone. Praise the Lord, Christ is being preached. That's exactly what he told him. Just leave him alone. But, but he's, not, he's not operating under the authority of the church, and, and that's the commission was given to the church. The church's role in this calling is to authorize, organize, and lead in the work of evangelism. But never to relieve the child of God of his individual obligation to be a witness unto Christ. So it's just twofold. Number one, the commission wasn't given to individuals. But at the same time, you and I as an individual are not relieved of our responsibility to be witnesses. But we're to do it where? Through the local church. It's the church's responsibility to organize and lead the, the people into the evangelization of, of the community and ultimately the world. The great dispute over this issue, however, is one of methodology. Some believe and teach that this evangelism is by one narrow method, which they practice. And if you do not follow that method, then you are not following the Great Commission. 
But this is very presumptuous. This attitude is, is, is one of, of pride and, and, and not of, not of uh, cooperation. The church offers a variety of ways the individual believer can accomplish their calling, uh, the calling of the Great Commission. We can get involved, I, I put these down on your sheet, we can get involved in the visitation program of our church. Go to the pastor and say, Pastor, who could I visit? Do you need anyone? Could I follow up with anyone? Could I visit anyone for you? Get involved in the visitation program of the church. We can get involved in the teaching ministry of the local church. We have, we have need of teachers. Sunday school teachers. Bring a visitor to Sunday school with you, a worship service. You know, your coworkers. You know, one of them comes to you and they got problems, you know, befriend them, talk to them, invite them to church. Oh, wow, what a novel idea. Tell them, hey, I'll come by Sunday morning, pick you up and bring you to church with me. Would you like to come to church? We can, we can get involved in, in, in that ministry. We can get involved thoroughly in the outreach ministries of the local church. I just said, pick up others for church. Visit the sick and shut-ins. Be a help to other people. You know, who possesses the truth? Anybody know? We do. Now, how many people, think about it for a second, how many people come to you with questions concerning matters of life? It happens fairly regularly, doesn't it? Who's going to give them the answers? Dr. Phil? I don't think he has all the answers, does he? No, it's, it's the child of God. What does Peter say? But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And be prepared, be ready to, to offer a reason for the hope that is within you. Listen, you need to, you need to be walking in, in, in your life. You need to be praising God and, and exalting God in your life. and You need to be measuring everything you say, everything you do. Make sure it's it's only that which glorifies the Father. And then when people come to you, and as they do me all the time, listen, everybody at work knows, knows that I, I, I'm a Christian. They know I teach a Sunday school class. They come to me all the time at work with questions. And, and I try to always answer them. Most of the time I try to answer them with Scripture. And, and, and who's going to give these people hope if not you and I? We have got to be ready to answer and ready to, to, to praise God. We've got to be ready to point people toward the one person that can help them. And who is that? Jesus the Christ. That's where we need to lead them. So we get involved. The church is to exalt the name of Jesus. Secondly, is to evangelize the lost. But then thirdly, third purpose, is to edify the body of believers. So, we come to church, and the purpose here is to exalt the name and person of Christ, is to evangelize the community, and is to edify the body. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, to edify is to build up in a literal sense. And, and that word is not used anymore. 
It's to instruct and to improve the mind and knowledge generally, and particularly in moral and religious knowledge and faith and holiness. That's what it means to edify. The church, if you will, allow me to make an analogy for a moment, is like Gold's Gym. But instead of Gold's Gym, we're going to call it God's Gym. I'm going to put a big sign up out front. God's Gym, now accepting registrations. Why does a person go to a health spa or a gym? To get in shape, to to get stronger, to, to get more healthy, right? Paul, in writing Ephesians chapter 4, is attempting to instruct the Christians at Ephesus regarding the organization of the church. He is explaining to them that the church organized, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, is not to elevate one above another. This organization that we have within the church is not to make one person superior to another person. That's not the purpose in that organization. It is for the perfecting of the saints, he says. For the maturing of the body. So that the believers, by virtue of their maturity, may accomplish the work of the ministry. This is, this is what the church is organized as for. We organize the church so that the individual members, the part of the body, can grow and can mature and can do the work that we're called to do. So the purpose of the church is to edify the believers in the, in the Lord. We're to, we're to edify so that the entire body may be built up in the local church. Without this organization in the local church, there would be no unity. This is why you see so many churches today start and close, shut down and leave. They they, they rise up and they fall apart. Why? Because they're they're just not organized. Not according to scripture. And there's no unity. One person is jealous of another person and this person is angry with this person. there's, There's no unity in the church. There's no harmony. And the church splinters apart. Acts 2.46, we read, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple. The church in, 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 in Jerusalem was organized in such a way that people were in unity. They were in harmony. They were in one accord. There would be no unity. There would be no harmony. Acts 2.44, And all that believed were together and had all things common. Listen, these people, these people just sold whatever they had and brought all the money into the church, and they all subsisted through the church. They had all things common. They, they loved one another. They, they labored together. They, they dwelt together. They, they lived in harmony, in one accord, in, in one mind. And the Lord sustained them through the local church. I've said it and said it and said it. Everything we need in this life can be found through the local church. And if it can't be found through the local church... And we don't need it. You look at me like you don't believe that. But I find that to be true. All that believed were together and had all things common. There would be 
without harmony, without this organization, there would be bitter envying and strife. In James chapter 3, in verse 16, we read, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And we already established that God is not the author of confusion. So when you find a church that's chaotic and, and filled with confusion, you can, you can mark it down. God is not there. Because the Lord is not the author of confusion. Without this organization, the church would fail. And the name of God would be reproached. Who do you think, who do you think rejoices when a church fails? Satan, yes, but also the atheists, the liberals, they rejoice, don't they? They rejoice when a, when, a, when, a, when a church door can be shut and closed and sealed. There's no joy, there's no joy in their life while the church is organized and strong and growing. The name of God is reproached in their mind. Without this organization within the local church, we would have misplaced authorities. Without this organization within the local church, we would have misguided priorities. And without this organization within the local church, we would have unfulfilled purposes. So what can we do? Well, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place, Except thou repent. So three things and I'm done. Number one, remember. Remember. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. You need to, we need to stop. And by the way, our, our individual lives need to be organized just like the church is organized. We need to have the right authorities. We need to have the right priorities. And we need to have the right purposes. Remember. Second, repent. Repent. When God shows you something in your life that shouldn't be there, don't get, don't get upset and, and, and don't get angry. Just repent. Listen, he already knows you're doing it. Just, just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you for showing me the truth and help me to overcome this. And then th- thirdly and finally, return. Go back to work for Christ. Get busy. Paul said, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind. He says, I push forward for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. We can't change what happened. We can't change the past. We can learn from it, but we can't change it. Confess it, repent, and then get busy. All right, folks, that's all the time I have. Thank you for being here this morning, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.